0: There is such good news and such a privilege to be called the children of god let's uh let's open up god's word together in First Peter chapter one, where we are going to open His word and receive this good news this morning. I'll invite you to stand with me as we do this. listen to the the majesty of these words, first Peter, chapter one, beginning with verse three. You believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy, for you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. May God add his blessing to his word. Please be seated. Have you ever heard someone use the expression, man, I thought I'd died and gone to heaven? A guy hits a, a great shot on the golf course and wins a $10 bet. I thought I'd died and gone to heaven. You find a scrumptious dessert at a restaurant. I thought I'd died and gone to heaven. Ohio State beats Michigan once again. I thought I'd died and gone to heaven. Boy, we're only a few weeks away, aren't we, folks? <laughs> And and it's gonna be good, so I gotta get back into fighting form. I haven't mentioned Ohio State for a while, so I'm I'm starting to think about that. But but I thought I'd died and gone to heaven. That's a religious expression that the, 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 the culture at large will often use. It's actually from the teachings of Jesus. Jesus told us about a place that he was going to prepare for every one of his children. That means you this morning. A wonderful, glorious hope. This passage says that since Christ has risen from the grave, those who put their trust in him have the promise, too, of conquering the grave and living forever in heaven. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. We spent a little time last week talking about hell. This morning, I want us to to fix our eyes on that glorious future ahead of us. The Bible instructs us repeatedly to set our minds on the things that are above, to lay up for ourselves treasures in heaven, to fix our eyes on things that are unseen. Now, if you were a first century Christian, think about this. You were probably very poor if you were a first century Christian, you may have faced intense persecution. And if you were a first century Christian, then you would understand that maybe there was a real longing to get to heaven. But let's be realistic this morning. For most of us, we have it pretty good here on earth. We're kind of settled in, we're kind of comfortable. And heaven almost seems boring in comparison. We think about sitting on a cloud, strumming a harp, maybe a very long church service, and we're thinking, oh, I guess it's better than the alternative. But if we're honest, we're happy to just kind of stay right here as long as we can. Yet as Christians, we need to have a healthy focus on heaven. Because I think if we understand heaven... It will do a lot for us to reducing our attraction to this world. Remember 1 John 2.15, we read, Do not love the world, nor anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, then the love of the Father is not in him. Listen, what happens is, is if your primary focus is in heaven, you recognize that this world is Temporary. you can't afford to get enamored with it. You realize all the good and the bad will eventually be gone. And so if your hope is primarily in heaven, then tough times are only temporary. You're you're not jealous when others have more goods than you do, and you're not easily tempted to be caught up in whatever the world defines as success. Success. I think, and two, uh, when things aren't going well, we have this permanent hope for the future, regardless of what's going on right now. Peter calls it a living hope, an inheritance that will not fade. He says, you've got trials today, but this is not the end of the story. Some of us need to hear that this morning. Some of you in this room today are suffering from pretty severe grief and trial. Maybe you were scarred so deeply as a child that you may never get over the insecurity of that in this life. Or maybe you are so far in debt that you're not sure that you will ever get out beyond in this life. You have a physical disability that will never be corrected in this body. You went through a bitter divorce, maybe two, maybe three of them, and the result is you may never have a, a family harmony in this world. Or a loved one died and you, you know that you will never see them again in this world. But when you look at your life with eternity in view, it gives you strength to keep on because you know it's going to get better. These last few months have been a, a bit stressful around here with all the, the construction so many times I, I find myself not wearing the pastor's hat, but a, a project manager's hat or a finance manager's hat or something along those lines. I thought, man, they never teach you this stuff in, in seminary. Well, I was up here on Friday night, and I was going through a checklist, and I found, out, uh, found about 40 things just in this new area that the contractor needs to fix before we sign off. I was here yesterday, or right after a funeral, trying to to move furniture, and we were dusting countertops. But you know what? With all that's going on and all the the time and energy that's been happening around here, I keep reminding myself it's okay because I know it's only temporary. I don't mind working a little harder or putting on some extra hats because I know that the end result is going to be a more impactful ministry. I know that this is going to pass. The anticipation, however, of what is to come gives me energy for what I'm doing right now. So so let's think about that, and let's get a view of what is heaven going to be like? Have you ever taken a big trip? I noticed Walt Sheffield just got back from St. Petersburg, Russia. He spent, what, two? How many weeks there? You, you were there a long time. When you're rich, you can do those kinds of things, and... and a couple of years ago, Mary and I uh, took a trip to Hawaii and we were trying to celebrate our 25th anniversary. And so it was a big deal for us to be able to make a trip like that. And of course, to do that, we had to prepare. We prepared for months ahead of time. And of course, I was online scoping out all the places and where we would stay, figuring out, okay, what hotel points can I use for free nights and where and those kinds of things. And we had it all marked out. We wanted the trip to be both eventful and restful. After all, we were celebrating so very, very much. Well, the anticipation of that trip was part of the fun. The anticipation, it's part of the excitement. Now, for us in this world, it's a little harder sometimes because we don't have any pictures of heaven We can't get online and kind of look in and see what's happening. And the Bible doesn't maybe give us as many details about heaven as maybe we would like. The Apostle Paul said that he was called up to the third heaven, and listen to this, it says that he saw things that he was not permitted to tell. Isn't that interesting? He said, I will tell you this, to depart and be with the Lord is better by far than staying right here. That's all he would say. Maybe maybe God doesn't want to give us a lot of detail about heaven because if he did, we would be so enamored with heaven that we would be no earthly good. We just couldn't wait, and we would just stop. Or maybe it's just indescribable. Maybe there are no words. But as best I can, I've done some thinking and, and researching, and I'd like to share with you this morning some of the things that we do know about heaven. One thing I think we know is this that in heaven, relief and healing will be there. Relief and healing. Revelation 21 4 reminds us, He will wipe away every tear. There will be no more death, no more mourning or crying or pain, for the old things have passed away. I want you to think about that. No more cancer. No more hospitals, no more arthritis, no more surgeries, no more hurts, because there will be no more sin. Dave Swartz will have hair. I'm going to be six foot three, skinny, and broad shoulders and sharp eyes. And all that will happen in the twinkling of an eye. Can you imagine? We know this, worship and inspiration will be there. Revelation 4.10 says, We will fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. Now, if you're a healthy Christian, that should excite you to be able to worship the one who created you, who made you, and loved you. But this is going to be unlike anything you've ever experienced. I'm going to tell you, you know, we appreciate Tim and the, the worship team so much, but imagine David, King David is going to be there, and he'll be playing the harp, or Gabriel on the trumpet. Maybe instead of Jack, they'll bring Noah up for an interview, and we'll talk to him. But think about a worship service. Maybe in our church, across the years, where, where, where there were no distractions, think about a worship service where the music isn't too loud, the words are always right on the screen, people are just pouring their hearts out in the power of God's Spirit. Have you ever had a glimpse of heaven? Have you ever experienced, even in worship in our church, or or, or maybe a time where the sermon just spoke to you, and you knew that God was there and He was speaking to your heart? God was moving, or maybe it was through a song, but it was just a moment, a taste, and it was beautiful and glorious. But imagine a place where Jesus himself steps to the center, and he opens the scripture, and it begins to explain things we never understood. We're going to be like the two on the road to Emmaus who begged him not to stop. And we're going to say, didn't our hearts burn within us as he opened the scriptures to us and taught us the things of God? Oh, what a joy that will be. We know this, the loved ones and relatives in Christ will be there. Revelation 7, 9 reminds us, After this, I looked out, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count. Every once in a while, someone will say to me, I I really don't think I can attend Friends Church. It's, It's too big for us. We're used to a smaller church. Think about it. You may not like heaven then. I want our church to grow. The bigger the church we are, the more like heaven we become. Heaven is filled with people who knew Jesus. I remember Marg Shipman as she... You know, she passed away, I think, when she was 105 years old. And I remember one time she quipped to me. She said, You know, I better die pretty soon, or my friends are going to think I didn't make it. <laughs> do, you, do you think that we'll recognize each other in heaven? With me, that six foot three, good looking, will, will my wife know who I am? Remember the story of the transfiguration, Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration, and you have Moses and Elijah? The disciples knew who they were, even though they had died hundreds of years before. Somehow they knew. Part of the joy of heaven is going to be relationships that are restored We took my son Micah to Asbury this week. He's a freshman. We went through the rigmarole of dropping him off and saying goodbye, and now we have three sons who are gone. Mary was, after we got home, went rummaging through his room and into his drawers, and she pulled out an art project that she had never seen. It must have done it years ago, perhaps. But it was really sweet. It was a watercolor thing, and it had his name on it. And this is what it said. It said, home is where mom is. I don't understand why dad doesn't count for anything. (laughs) That's another sermon, but... The reason we call heaven home is that's where loved ones will be. Rewards. And praise will be there. I spoke on this a couple of weeks ago, but you know we are going to receive rewards in heaven. Now, don't get me wrong. Again, we are saved by grace through faith. We don't earn our salvation. But God is going to give a reward to those who are faithful. That husband who took care of his wife during the most difficult years of Alzheimer's. The, the person who was often persecuted because they stood up for Jesus in their classroom. The couple who joyfully but sacrificially gave of their meager income to, to help the church in their outreach ministry. God is, listen, God is not going to owe anyone anything when we get to heaven. That'll be rewards. Study and learning will be there. Ephesians 2.6 says, God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace. That word show means to reveal in an ongoing progressive way. You know what that means to me? The, you remember that the Bible says that there are things that angels don't know. There are things that angels don't even understand. I don't think when we, the moment we get to heaven that we're going to suddenly know everything. It is going to be an inexhaustible experience to understand and uh, appreciate the grace of God, the majesty of God, the creativity of God. He will continually be showing us the wonders of himself. And boy, you know what? When I get to heaven, I'm going to ask him some questions. And I suspect you have some questions that you'll want to understand. Why did children have to die? Why did so many suffer miscarriages? What about evolution and science? And how did all that come together with your creation, O God? Why why couldn't John Cooper win a game against Michigan in the 80s and 90s? What did God have against Cleveland all those years in sports? (laughs) These are things we'll need to know. Beauty and travel will be there. Revelation 21 describes the beauty of Jerusalem, the holy city. It says it's made ready as a bride adorned for her husbands. Brides are beautiful. And I think the most beautiful place I've ever seen on this earth is probably Duns River Falls in Jamaica. When I was in college, we took a, a mission trip there and we took a day off and went out to, to see that. It was the most glorious place. And I thought, this must look like heaven, it was paradise. And I think you know if God can create that and he created the world in 6 days imagine what he's been doing for 2000 years and the beauty and the mystery and the wonder of it all when we finally get that to that place that he says he's preparing for you I I believe that God has a vast universe I don't think God is going to waste it there's beauty to be discovered it is going to be explored it is going to be enjoyed by his children. And I think along with that, and maybe this will surprise you, but I think in heaven too there is going to be work and accomplishment that will be there. Sometimes scripture describes heaven as a place of rest, and I certainly believe that. But Revelation two three says, No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city, and his servants will serve him. So the curse of work. You remember back in, in, in Genesis when, when we saw the curse and then Adam and Eve were, were, were cursed in the sense that they would have to work the ground and there would be toil and sweat and there would, they would face frustration. All that frustration, all that futility, the, the aggravation is going to be eliminated. But I do believe that the scriptures teach that there will be work to do, that, that God calls us to a, a framework of this vast universe and quite possibly other universes we can't even comprehend. And some of that work is going to be leadership assignments. This world that we're in right now is almost a training ground for what is to come. And so Paul says this, he says, we will reign with him. Imagine that. He even goes as far to say, don't you know that we will judge the angels? We're going to have some type of authority over them. Listen, part of being in the image of God then is we are not fulfilled by loafing all the time. Heaven is not going to be that. Some of the most meaningful rest you'll ever have is after you worked hard all day. Heaven will be a place of rest because you gave your very best to the Lord. Tom and Matt were best friends and they played football once a week together for over 50 years, just going out and having a good time. One day they were talking about whether football was being played in heaven. They decided that whoever goes first would let the other one know what happens in heaven. Well, after Matt died, he came to Tom in a dream. You were right, he says. Sure enough, they play football up here. And not only that, they have you named as starting quarterback. Wow, said Matt. That's great. Well, Matt says, they have you playing tomorrow night, so... You know, one of the things I think is going to be great about heaven is, and you mark this down, joy and laughter will be there too. Luke 2, uh, 6, 21 reminds us, Blessed are you who hunger now, for you will be satisfied. And then listen to this, Blessed are you who are weak now, for you will laugh. Isn't that a great promise? Now remember, hell, there's no laughter there. Why? Because it's complete isolation, no community, torment. But in heaven, we are told even now when one sinner repents, there is rejoicing in the streets. One of the things I've always appreciated about our church over the years, and I think it's a very healthy part, is that we're not afraid to laugh. We don't take each other too seriously. When a church laughs, I think it's a sign of good health. There's joy in the Lord. And I want you to know that part of that joy is going to be seeing you. And and, and I've said this at the picnic last week. I reiterated this morning. There is going to be a reunion. We're calling a reunion right now for North Olmsted Friends Church. And we're going to get together and we're going to enjoy one another. And everyone who's been affiliated with this church is going to be invited. And we'll gather together and we'll tell stories and we'll share and sing praises and laugh because of all that God has accomplished. Since we all have eternity, since, you know, we're going to have eternity, I, I, I may preach and I may not even worry about how long it'll take because we got long, you know, and, and, and if Pastor Dave makes it, we'll let him preach too. We'll, we'll see how that works out. So all these things are going to be there and much, much more than I could probably even Imagine. But think about this. There is one other thing we, we have to point out. God will be there. We talked about this last week, didn't we? Hell is where God is not. Heaven will be where God is all in all. Revelation says, I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them, and he will be their God. Hell is where God is not. Heaven is where God will be all in all. The Bible says no one has ever seen God, but we will And we will forever be in his glorious presence. So, the greatest thing about heaven is that Jesus, the resurrected Savior, will be there. You are destined, my friend, to a personal encounter with Jesus Christ. Not just seeing him in front, teaching, but as a follower of his. You will have a one-on-one encounter with him where you will see his nail-scarred hands. You will witness the smile on his face. You will hear him say to you, well done. Come home. Enter the joy of your master and, I, 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 you know, there's that song, What Will I Do When I Get There? I, I don't know. But I think our only response is going to be, Thank you. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for all that you did for me by dying on the cross, by being raised again. I didn't deserve it. But I just want to worship you and thank you for my very life. My friends, all those things will be there. Make sure you are there too. Don't miss that. Don't miss it for the world. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever should believe in him, should put their faith in him, should trust him, would not perish, would not face eternity without God, but would have everlasting life. Do you know that life today? Is it yours? Do you have that hope? Is a living hope, unfading and eternal. It's what God offers us today. You know, that makes whatever circumstance you're going through right now so much easier to bear. This momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory that cannot be compared to. And so, Father, we praise you, we worship you, we thank you for this hope. I pray that you have it. I pray that you know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for this sweet and gentle reminder of the place that you are preparing for us. Lord, even as we think about the newness of this facility, we know it's all going to be gone someday. It will be burned up. It will be dust. We thank you for it. We bless it. We pray you will use it as a tool. But it is nothing compared to the glorious place you are preparing for your people Lord, I pray that this circle in this room would be unbroken. There is is every hope, Lord, that everyone in this room will have come to you and said yes to the great gift of salvation you offer. We rejoice and thank you, Lord, for this living hope that we have. This hope that reminds us, Lord, no matter how difficult today may be, no matter how uh, tangled up our relationships may be, no matter what messes we've made, that all of this is but temporary. But we have an eternity with you where God will be uh, with us, for us. He loves us. And, Lord, we look forward to that day. So, Lord, as we have breath here on this earth, use us. But when we take our final breath, Lord, May we not do it in fear, but in joy, knowing that you have prepared a place for us for all eternity. What a great hope we have. Thank you, Jesus. In your name.